changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Good evening once again. It's Randy Johnson, host of What's the Word? I begin my show like that just about every Wednesday night. Familiarity is always a good thing. Uh, My son, my uh, youngest son, Caleb, who listens to the show, makes fun of me for how I introduce myself. So I'm doing this tonight to make sure that he's listening. So to find out if he actually will later on make fun of the way that I introduce myself on the show. But I'm glad that you're here. We are live on 101.9 WAIN. We are also on 1270 AM. And we are live streaming at 1019WAIN.com. And tomorrow morning, this entire show will be on my podcast, which is entitled Walk This Way. And you can find the podcast on Google, Spotify, iTunes. Those are kind of the more popular ones. But there's Pocket Cast. There's nine different platforms that carry my podcast show or podcast uh, episodes, I should say. And I put this radio show on that podcast so that if you miss any portion of this radio show, that way you can tune in tomorrow, you can download it, you can listen to it whenever you're ready, wherever you are, and on any smart device or computer iPad that you have. I am thankful for the fall. I love the fall weather. I just don't like the allergies. I always struggle, no matter where I have lived, with seasonal allergies. I take allergy medicine. I've been to an allergist to be tested. There's nothing specific that I'm necessarily allergic to. But when the seasons change and when storm fronts come through and it kind of adjusts, you know, the way that the weather is outside. I've told people for years, I feel like I'm an old dog that knows when the weather's about to change because, you know, I can just feel it. I can, I can just tell that change is coming in the weather. So uh, if you hear me kind of cough, clear my throat, put in a cough drop or whatever tonight, just go with it. Last week, <clears throat> I got tongue-tied on a particular word. And my wife, Lee, who listens to the show, also made fun of me. Well, she thought it was funny. I I can't say she made fun, but she thought it was funny that I got tongue-tied and hung up on a word. Those things happen. You know, allergies happen. Uh, Life happens. The show is not perfect, and neither am I. But I really enjoy this hour every week that I get to spend with you, and I appreciate you all that tune in or listen to the podcast, however it is that you find the show, I'm very thankful for you. I'm thankful for the folks that I get to pastor at Columbia Baptist Church and their support for me doing this radio show 
along with the folks at Adair Drug and Grissom Martin Funeral Home. They're also sponsors of this show. I try to mention them every week, uh, not because they've asked me to and not because I have to, but because I want to. Uh, I want to be able to uh, to share not only the good work that they do our, for our community, but also their support of me and my ministry and the ministry of Columbia Baptist Church and the opportunity to take this one hour and share with you what the Bible says about parts of our life that we all talk about. You know, we all think about certain aspects of life. Some of us dwell on certain things, for example, like politics. That's probably on some of your radars much stronger than others. But at some point and at some time in your life, or at least every so often when elections come up or ads are all over the internet and television supporting different candidates and what they stand for and what their family looks like and you know they'll tell you how bad the other person is and you know why you ought to vote for them that's usually when people that maybe don't have politics on their radar at least pay attention enough so that they know who they should vote for but some folks however focus a lot more on politics and it's just a bigger part of their world and so what I like to do is I like to take moments like that or, or stories like those and uh, situations that people are in and discuss how does the Bible interpret these things? How does the Bible describe how we as Christians should see these events and, and these happenings going on in our world? And so tonight I have a bit of a, a, a strange, maybe a, a different kind of lineup for you from time to time. I will focus on the human body and health and being healthy, not only physically, but also spiritually. And tonight I have one story that sort of goes along pretty well with, with healthiness and, you know, some advice that all of us have received at one point in our life, whether we've taken it or not. And then another story that is loosely related to health but it really has more to do with eternal life. And I'll, I'll explain all of that, you know, here in just a little bit. But the last show that I did last week, I talked quite a bit about the upcoming presidential election. And I talked about the respect for the office of president. Now, I did not publicize that particular episode of my radio show and the episode on my podcast any more than any other episode. Just simply did the show, uploaded it to my podcast on Thursday morning like I do every week, and put it on Twitter, my personal Twitter account. I put it on Facebook, my personal Facebook page, our church's Facebook page, and that was it. I mean, that, that was all of the advertising, so to speak, that I did for that show. And it got a lot of, a lot of, I should say, shouldn't say views, but it got a lot of listens. A lot of people listened to that show a lot more than normal. And so I took that 
as maybe in a couple of different ways. One is perhaps people were interested to hear what my perspective was on the presidential election, on the debates, how all of this was unfolding. What does the Bible say about that? I would like to believe that people that listen to this show actually care what my opinion is. But those that don't necessarily listen to this show or listen to my podcast because they are insanely interested in my opinion, perhaps that particular episode could have been just because it is a hot-button topic. I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, Last week, the vice presidential election took place, and Vice President Pence debated against uh, Kamala Harris, and it was a much more civil debate, for sure. Uh, there was still interrupting, you know, but certainly not to the degree that President Trump and, and Joe Biden did the week before that. But just watching that debate and, and listening to their answers, just like if you were able to decipher what the answers were in the presidential debate, you instantly get the the sense that in a good way and in a bad way, America is divided. Now, here's, here's what I don't understand about American view, the American view of our government. From the very beginning of the American government, the... American people have wanted leadership. They have wanted a, a, a democracy. They've, they've wanted to be able to vote. They've wanted to be able to place elected officials in positions. Just simply because of that fact, you're always going to have a divided America. And that's good. Because... If we only had one choice for senator, one choice for president, one choice for a local judge, one choice for mayor, then our view of, well, what does that person stand for? What does that person believe in? How will this person handle this issue? If there's only one choice, it doesn't matter. Because you really, you don't have an opportunity to vote for some person that you may stand behind or stand with or agree with more than another person. So the fact that we have a choice in any election means that in a good, healthy way, America is divided. But here's the problem. The problem is we don't know what to do with that division. We don't know how to handle disagreeing with one another, and yet still coming out as Americans. You know, we have people that don't view a certain president as their president. For example, Barack Obama had been our president for eight years. There were people that were adamantly opposed to him as their president. Then Donald Trump got into office In the last three and a half years, there are people that don't recognize Donald Trump as their president. Well, here's the issue. If you're an American, they are your president. They have been your president. You may not agree with their policies, their procedures, their personality, their 
view on certain issues, but if they are the elected official in that position, then they're your president. And so I spent last week talking about the respect for these people that are placed in these offices. But again, watching the vice presidential debate, watching the presidential debate, it's just painfully obvious to me that America does not know how to disagree, but yet still be America. And it's not a new problem. It's not a new issue. But I will say that one of the things that I have heard many, many people say, and and this is another, you know, this is nothing brand new, but people will say, hey, whoever wins this election needs to bring America together. America needs unity, and we need to all come together. Here's the problem. We have set up a system of disunity. It's called elections. And like I just explained, because we elect people that we stand for, that we agree with, there's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. There are going to be people who are going to vote for the person that wins the election. There are going to be people that are going to vote for the person that loses the election. What America needs to do is not all get behind one candidate because that's not going to happen. There's different ideas, there's different ideals, there's different views of what America should be, and a majority of our people in this country are going to get behind one person or the other. That's just the way that it is. What America needs to do is, regardless of who wins the election, they need to say, I'm going to support the President of the United States. However, I'm also going to make sure that my senator and my congressperson and you know my, uh, my representative of my area knows how I feel, knows what I believe in. And if I vote and put that person in that office and they are responsible to listen to me, I'm going to make sure that they know what I think and that they know how I feel. You do cast an opinion with a vote. Your opinion may be the majority. Your opinion may be the minority of the, of the percentage of who wins and who loses the election. At the end of the day, if you're an American citizen, you need to be for America. And I'll just put it like this. If Donald Trump wins the election, I'm going to pray for God to move in his life and to move in his presidency to create the very best American society that we can have one nation under God, as the, as the pledge says, and I will do the exact same thing if Joe Biden is president. Listen, I was pastor of a church when George W. Bush was in office, when Barack Obama was in office, and when Donald Trump is in office. And I can tell you with all seriousness and sincerity, regardless of who is the president, of the United States, I pray for, I support the office, I may not agree with all of the policies and the procedures, but I do know that God is on the throne. So here is the last thing I'm going to say about the presidential election before I move on to some other things. I read this online, I saw this in, in, I don't know who posted it, I don't know where it came from, I don't know if it's a quote from somebody. 
but I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm going to add a little bit to it. But here's the gist of what it said. It said, your ballot on election day is not a valentine to the candidate that you love. Rather, it's an investment in the future of where you want to live. So think about it this way. If you are more in line with what you think and what you believe and the kind of America and eventually the kind of world that you think Donald Trump will create, then you vote for him. If you agree with the policies and potential direction that Joe Biden would give to our country and ultimately to the world, then you vote for him. It does not mean that you love Trump and that you hate Biden or that you love Biden and you hate Trump. It just simply means that you align better with one person over the other and you would rather see the kind of society that one person would lead us to as opposed to the other. I thought that was a brilliant way to look at it. Because sometimes people will say, well, I'm choosing the lesser of two evils. I don't like either person, and so I'm choosing, I'm choosing the lesser of two evils. And I really don't think that that's the, a biblical way to look at it, and I don't think it's the right way to look at it, just practically speaking. Because you're not choosing less poison over more poison. What you're choosing, or should be, I think, is you're, you're siding with someone or deciding to support someone who's going to lead our country and eventually impact the world into closer to the kind of society that you believe we should have. And I think this is why Christians and, and, and believers in Jesus should be very careful about who they vote for, should be very careful because there are certain moral issues that are on the table and one candidate as opposed to another will probably be closer to moral decisions in terms of Christian values and Christian views than the other one will be. Does not say that one person is a Christian and the other one is not. I'm not talking about their personality or their personhood or their eternal destiny. I'm just talking about the policies and procedures that they put in place will be closer to a biblical worldview than the other one. Because let's be honest, that's what a debate does. It, it puts an issue on the table and says, okay, how would you handle this issue? How would you describe this problem? How would you handle if this came up? And when you hear their answers, the likelihood is one of them will be closer in line to what the Bible says is a moral decision, is a, a moral absolute, than the other one will be. That's what's called a debate. Now, I will tell you, they could both be way off. They could both be so far away from the core value that's found in the Bible on that particular topic, but they can't both be right. Otherwise, it's not a debate. So chances are, on some of those moral issues, one, like I said, is going to be closer than the other. And you can go online and find out, okay, here's what they have said, here's what they believe in, here are the decisions they would make if they were elected in the 2020 election. Moving forward, here's what they would do. So enough about all of that. I, I, I thought the Valentine thing was a good way of looking at it. Again, it's not a perfect way of looking at it, but 
short of electing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as the President of the United States, we will always have an imperfect president and a less than perfect example, moral example, of leadership in our country. It doesn't matter how much you've idolized certain men that have been in the position of president of the United States. They've all been imperfect. So one of the issues that you know has come up many, many times and in different ways too is the COVID-19 coronavirus issue. And what's the best way to handle that? Should we be mandating masks? Should we not? Should we have a vaccine by now? If not, what are we waiting for? You know, these kinds of things. I don't have answers to those questions, so don't look here for answers. I don't have them. I did notice, though, that and thought it was interesting that President Trump withdrew or basically stopped all talks of a second round of stimulus uh, payments to uh, the American households until after the election. I thought that was interesting because of the fact that many Americans, not all, but many Americans have in fact gone through some financial difficulties as a result of the coronavirus. The first round of stimulus money that came to households seemed to come at a good time. We were a couple of months, several months into the coronavirus pandemic, lots of things were shutting down, small businesses were losing money, uh, people were struggling, you know, the unemployment rate was up, and it was just, it was a challenging time that, yes, money is not going to fix everybody's problems, but it was an effort on behalf of the United States government to at least do something to be a benefit and a blessing to American homes. Well, then, about a month ago, maybe longer than that, there was another round of stimulus checks being talked about. And just like with the first one, there were all of these extras that were going to be put in them. And I say extras only because the stimulus package was not 100% just for American homes. It was for different businesses. It was different kinds of incentives and cuts and stimulus money in different ways. And there again, you have Republicans saying we need this, Democrats saying we need this, and they make this a political issue. So that's been a big thing and is going to continue to be a big thing. Again, the name of this show is What's the Word? And I always want to come back to the Bible because I never want to get lost in a subject and get neck deep in a subject like a presidential debate, dealing with anything political, dealing with anything in entertainment, dealing with anything in just everyday life, and have somebody say, but, but Randy, what does this have to do with the Bible? I think one of the issues that I would really encourage people, and, and I say this even to myself, I think one of the big issues has to be contentment, but it also has to be, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and really wonder if a lot of people, 
that are eager for a stimulus check are really just greedy. Now, you can't ever separate those that need from those who don't need. You know, it's impossible to say, well, you know, some people need it, some people don't. Here's what Republicans and Democrats are, are fussing about. They're fussing about, okay, what are the extras? What are the other things we're going to put in the stimulus package? The fact is we have millions of people that have lost their jobs as a result of layoffs. Uh, I saw just the other day that AMC movie theaters are tanking because obviously people couldn't go to the movie theater to watch movies. And then even when they were able to, they had a limited audience. And so there've not been a lot of movies that have been made because you can't, right? I mean, you can't put a whole crew together and you can't make a movie with a mask on. And so, I mean, just the whole thing. So all that being said, there have just been lots of issues that have compounded each other with the coronavirus. So I think part of it is understanding that the Bible teaches us about being content. And Paul said it this way. He said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Now, he's not talking about whatever state he lives in in the United States. He means whether he's poor, whether he's rich, whether he has a lot, whether he has very little, is to be content with that. And that is a lesson, just like unity and diversity. That's a lesson of contentment that Americans don't know how to live. If we have $1,000, we're going to want to spend 2000 If we have $100,000, we're going to want to spend $200,000. It's just that simple. And many of us will spend that money before it is even deposited in our account. Why? Because we haven't learned to be content. And so I'm saying this to myself just as much as I'm saying it to any person out there. You know, the round of stimulus money, I do hope that it gets passed, not because I'm necessarily saying that I'm one of those that is in desperate need. What I'm saying is there are lots of Americans that are struggling and suffering. And the last thing that our government needs to be doing is fussing over some of these Democrat you know, preferences versus Republican preferences. They need to put something together that will be a benefit and a blessing to the American people. But I know, like I said, they're, they're differing on the best way to do that, and I hope that they will be able to figure that out soon. Because, you know, even Jesus said, you know, the poor you'll always have. And I think sometimes we do focus on, you know, fixing minor problems putting band-aids on issues, knowing full well that there are always going to be a portion of people. We're not ever all going to be middle-class families with the same level of income and the same level of education. We're going to have different aspects of our society where some will have and others will not have. But this round of stimulus money is, again, as I hope and pray that it will be a blessing uh, you know, some people can't even pay their car insurance. Some people are struggling with their mortgage. Some people are really struggling with groceries and things, just basic necessities that they have to have. This is the reason why I really believe that a lot of those initiatives are good if our government will get its act together and actually do them. So I mentioned earlier in the show 
that sometimes I focus on health and, and things that are healthy for our physical body as well as things that will translate to our spiritual body and to our spiritual life, I mean. But I found, I, I clicked on this article on the internet only because it really grabbed my attention and made me think that <laughs> I've got to I've got to see what the end result of this is. You know, I have to I have to see what is what what is in this article that would make it. You know how it is sometimes when you read a a headline. The headlines are written in such a way that it entices you to click on it or to open the magazine or to go to this page in the newspaper and read that story because you think, okay, this is going to tell me something I need to know. But here is the article title. It says, scientists say they have zeroed in on the world's healthiest diet. The ideal human diet, how to maximize your health longevity of life, maximize your energy. I mean, doesn't this sound like something that you want to read? Well, I'm going to tell you, in the first probably three sentences of the article, they instantly say it's all the stuff that your grandmother told you. It's low-fat, low-red meat, whole-grain, whole-wheat type of food, eating a lot of healthy vegetables and having a balanced diet. Now, don't you feel dumber for having learned that again? Well, this was from the journal of the American College of Cardiology. And what they found is these things, as I said in the article that your grandmother already told you, is this is not one of these plans that eliminates everything. Rather, it kind of puts everything in perspective. It's a diet, and I quote, high in whole grains, vegetables, legumes, and fish, low in processed foods, and red meat, otherwise known as the Pesco Mediterranean diet. You know, I've been to Israel three times, and I have eaten the food of the Mediterranean uh, variety and in restaurants, there's Mediterranean restaurants, uh, inspired restaurants as well. And I'm gonna tell you, I could get used to eating like that. Um, you don't miss the fried, the over processed, you, you just don't miss it. Things in other parts of the world, especially in the Mediterranean area, are so fresh. They, they're not deep fried. They're, you know, there's not a lot of red meat. There is a lot of fish. There is a lot of, of poultry, healthy foods. And you know, even the olive oil that's used is the healthiest oil, best for the heart, the whole nine yards. I got to say, I was disappointed because when I opened this article, I was thinking that it was going to have some kind of special formula you know, eat this for breakfast, eat this for lunch, eat this for dinner that I could print off, bring home and say, okay, this is, this is what I need to start eating. But really it's just more of a common sense stuff that you already knew, things that you should be doing better when you go to the store and you purchase groceries, you really should be better and you really should have already known these things. 
When I read this article, the first thing that went through my mind is this is exactly the, the reason why I have this show. Because on this radio show, I don't tell you anything that is revolutionary. In fact, a lot of what I tell you are, is probably things that you either already knew or things that you would guess, well, of course, he's a pastor, of course, he believes in the Bible, of course, he's a follower of Jesus, he's going to say it like that. But here's the problem with that mindset in America. We, have, we are and have been in the process of losing a generation that still listens to grandma. You know, this article that says this food that I'm talking about, you know, if, if I wrote the article, it would be saying that, you know, the author of the article is saying, you know, this food that's in this article, this is all the stuff that your grandmother told you to eat. Well, if we're talking grandmother of the 1940s and 50s, Sure. If we're talking grandmothers of the 2000s and the 2010s, probably not. Because cooking has changed, processed foods have changed, the way that you get food and, and cook it, and the way that you prepare it, fast food, restaurants, eating out, carry out, portion size, all of that is different than the way grandma used to do it. And it's not enough spiritually either to just say, well, I'm going to believe what grandma tells me. Because if we continue on the path that we're on in, in, in America particularly, with going on the heels of, well, my grandmother always said, or my grandmother always did this, Eventually, we're going to get to a generation that is so out of touch with the grandmothers that went to church and the grandfathers that prayed before lunch on Sunday because they came to church on Sunday morning. We're getting away from a generation of people that are passing down their faith, not giving the next generation salvation because my grandmother couldn't save me and my, my parents couldn't save me. Only Jesus can save me. But we pass down our faith in the sense of we prioritize Jesus in our life so that what our children hear, what our grandchildren hear, what they see in our life has to do with Jesus. This article was not revolutionary. Eat high grain, healthy, vegetables, fish, Lean meat, not a lot of red meat. There you go. The gospel is not difficult. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and trust in Jesus. Invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life so that you can be born again. And trust that when Jesus, God's one and only Son, died on the cross, he died for you that he was buried, he rose again, and one day he is coming again. You place your faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. It's just that simple. The problem is we don't have enough grandmothers today that have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus so that their grandchildren see and hear Jesus in their life. We don't have enough parents that are bringing their children with them to church. We don't have enough families that are 
prioritizing Jesus in their life and in their homes to the point that the gospel is almost passed down from generation to generation without even thinking twice. I clicked on this article because I wanted to know what is the the best, healthiest way to eat. And when I saw it's it's probably what your grandmother told you, I knew at that moment, well, there's nothing new to see here. That should almost be, but in a positive way, that should almost be the way that it is with Jesus. People that are looking into spiritual things, people that are trying religions, people that are trying no religions, people that are opposed to hearing anything that has to do with the Bible, they need to be inundated with the truth of the gospel and it never needs to change. I'll say it, lots of pastors have said it, it's been true for decades now. The message never changes. The method, on the other hand, of, the, of, of sometimes how we present the truth will change. I'll give you an example. Coronavirus came along, couldn't meet in person for several months, and so we said, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to buy a camera that uploads directly to Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and all of that. Of course, we don't have all of those accounts as a church, but we did have a YouTube account, still do, had a Facebook page, still do. Said, all right, we're going to buy a camera. We're going to preach into that camera. We're going to sing into that camera. We're going to worship with just three or four or five people in the building. And we're going to live stream. That's a method that was different. What was not different was what was being sung, what was being preached, and the message that was going out to people that needed to hear the truth. So again, we're losing a generation of people that have accepted and have understood and have almost, without even blinking, understood that the gospel is an essential part of their life. We're, we have a generation now, they don't know what the gospel is. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't even know what happens inside of a church. Back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, it's safe to say, it's probably not true, but it's safe to say, almost everybody went to church. If you had a revival at the Methodist church and you were Baptist, you went anyway. And if another Baptist church was having a revival, you guarantee you were over there. I mean, look, when I was a kid, when we had a revival service, you went every night. We would go on vacation. We wouldn't even miss a Sunday. Very rarely would we do that. And if we did, it was only one. Because in my house and in my generation, people still supported what was happening at the local church. They prioritized the gospel. But now we have a generation coming where the things that grandma said, the things that mom and dad said, the things that our great-grandparents stood for is obsolete. So I, I, read this, I read this article, and of course, you know, I want to eat healthy, and I encourage all of you to do as well. But 
at the same time, we have to understand that in order for our kids to receive what was passed on to us and the truth of the Word of God, we have to be intentional about passing it on to them. That article only makes sense if your grandmother told you the way to eat that is prescribed in this article. If your grandmother never told you to eat fish and eat your vegetables and legumes and and whole grain breads and things, if your grandmother never told you to eat like that, you'd read this article and say, my grandmother never told me. I've never heard that in my life. That article only makes sense if that information has been passed down. So we have to stop being willing to lose a generation of children just simply because grandma stopped talking about Jesus or grandma passed away and her children never learned to talk about Jesus because grandma didn't pass it on to them. We as a church and Christians need to get serious about infusing our culture with Jesus again. Because when foolishness like this coronavirus stuff happened and people are dying and there's no vaccine and there's you know people wearing masks and social distancing and, and all of a sudden you know folks are just afraid, it shows that we are mortal beings. We are not immortal. We are not untouchable. And we better get right with God and we better have a relationship with Jesus before it's too late. Well, that being said, I, I did find another article that I thought was hilarious. And it's an article that accompany, is accompanied by a six-minute, almost seven-minute video. A guy has his phone out and why he didn't put it in his pocket and run, I'll never know. But this guy is out hiking. And he is hiking in Provo, Utah. And he's out in Slate Canyon in Provo, Utah. And he's on this path in the woods on the side of a mountain. Beautiful. I mean, colored trees are colors, all kinds of colors. I mean, it's just beautiful. All of a sudden, he sees four cubs, and he thinks, well, aren't they cute? Four little cougar cubs just popped up on that path. He gets out his phone. He starts videoing. Isn't they, aren't they cute? Isn't this amazing? Well, all of a sudden, the four cubs run in the woods, and the mama cougar comes out and starts walking ever so slowly toward this guy. And for almost five minutes of this video, this man is still continuing to video this cougar walking toward him while he's walking backwards back down the path. And they are, you know, I would say a good 15, maybe 20 yards away from each other. And the cougar woman, the, uh, the, the mama cougar is walking toward him. He's walking back the way that he came, and he is constantly chattering with this, with this, uh, with this cougar. The line that got me is in the headline of the article, 
The headline of the article is this, Man Escapes Cougar. Quote, Dude, I don't feel like dying today. Because there are times in this six-minute video when the mama gets a little bit closer to him than at other times. But for five minutes of this almost seven-minute video, is nothing but this guy walking backwards. I mean, he's talking to this to this mama as though she can understand. She's hissing, she's growling, she's threatening. He keeps cussing at her. And he's like, dude, you're scary. You're a scary kitty cat, he's telling. Come on, dude, I don't feel like dying today. Constantly backing up away from this thing. He kind of slips, maybe adjusts the phone. And the phone, you, you can see the camera kind of shakes a little bit. It gets a little low. And he picks it back up. And that cougar has now turned around and is running away from him. And like an idiot, he says something to the cougar like, Something related to, yeah, that's right, you better run. When the whole time he's scared to death, literally. Look, the coronavirus has people scared to die. Amusement park rides have people scared to die. You can pull up on YouTube and you can see car crashes. You can see accidents at work. You could see all kinds of gruesome Weird, unreal stuff on the internet on YouTube that will scare you into getting on a plane, getting in a car, riding on a train, crossing the street. I mean, you name it, there is something out there that will scare you to death, literally. And this guy comes in contact with a mama cougar thinking that he was only there to take her four cubs and she was only being protective of those four cubs and this guy for several, several minutes thought that his life was going to end. Now why he didn't just put the phone down so that he could concentrate better on walking backwards, I'll never know. But he actually does a pretty decent job of keeping the phone and the camera on the cougar, I didn't watch the entire video. I had to kind of skip through it because I, I couldn't watch six minutes of a man walking backwards. I, I, I just couldn't do it. I've got better things to do with my time. But everybody is afraid to die of something. you know. And whether it is, as we used to say, people die of old age, whether people are dying of the coronavirus, People getting the flu, heart disease, issues, whatever, being attacked by this cougar in the wilderness. He was out there all by himself, could have been eaten alive and nobody would have found him for days, maybe weeks. The reality is it does not matter where we are. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done or what we haven't done. It doesn't matter how good you've been. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. 
If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, the gospel message, the good news, that's what the word gospel means, the good news of Jesus Christ is he died in your place so that you wouldn't have to. So that when you die, you will have eternal life and have a home in heaven. So that means you don't have to be afraid to die. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go on a mountain in Provo, Utah and go find that mama cougar and let her rip you to shreds. But it also means that if your life were to be gone today, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, from whatever, a sickness, a disease, an accident, whatever, that the moment that your heart stops beating, the moment that your life leaves your body and your soul leaves and your spirit is no longer there because your body is shut down and your human body is dead and done. You can have confidence today that today, if today is the day that you would die, that you would step out of this life and into eternity and in the presence of God with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. So does it matter then? Going back to this menu, does it matter how you eat? I would say yes, it does. Number one, because it gives you a quality of life, because none of us need to be unhealthy. But it also, it matters because your body, the Bible says, is a living sacrifice that should be holy and pleasing to God. Doesn't mean that our lives are going to be perfect. Doesn't mean that our bodies are going to be perfect. What it means is what I'm offering up to God needs to be an acceptable, honoring sacrifice to him. So it does matter what I put in my body. It does matter what I do with my body. But what ultimately matters is no matter what happens to my body, I know that my soul will live with Jesus forever. And that's the word of God. That is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just, it always, it, it always makes me laugh. I mean, for example, I was on Facebook the other night and I saw a friend of mine had put this post on there that said 40 questions about me. So I read their answers and I thought, well, that'd be kind of fun, you know, cause I don't do a lot of those kinds of things, but I thought, well, this one would be kind of fun. You know, it's 40 questions. People might be interested. One of them was would you ever skydive? My answer, absolutely not. I don't mind flying, but strapping a napkin to my back in a backpack and going up however many thousands of feet in the air in a perfectly good airplane and jumping out of that airplane, pulling a cord, letting the napkin be what glides me back down to the earth, knowing full well that that airplane is eventually going back down to the earth safely, I'd just as soon sit in the airplane. I don't have any interest in jumping out of an airplane with a napkin on my back. I don't care what the rush is. I don't care what the view is. I don't care what the feeling is. I'm good. But you know, when you think about some of the things that people do in their life and with their body, they don't mind risking their life jumping out of an airplane. They don't mind skydiving. They don't mind cliff jumping. They don't mind, you know, I, I've seen people on the internet 
you know, do all sorts of crazy things when they're skiing and water skiing and snow skiing and, uh, you know, jumping from a cliff into a body of water and, you know, diving and all this kind of stuff. People don't mind doing crazy things with their body. They do it for the experience, right? They do it because it looks cool or it feels cool or it's, you know, it's, it, it's one of these, you know, fun, fun experiences. But yet when I think about it, I wonder why would somebody risk their life to do something that they consider to be fun and not trust Jesus with their life? Why would they be willing to do something that is potentially dangerous and potentially harmful when the easiest, safest, most logical decision that you could possibly make is to trust that the Son of God who created the universe came in the flesh, died to pay the penalty for your sin, and what he asked you to do is trust in him so that you could be born again, so that you could have eternal life. And people say, no, nah, it's too risky. That's too crazy. I don't, I don't want to believe in that. I don't, want, I, I, don't, I don't want to have anything to do with God. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And yes, these are some of the same people that will do crazy things with their life, with their body. They put anything in their body, they'll do anything for an experience. But yet the ultimate experience, Jesus put it best. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. I don't have to jump out of an airplane to have an amazing life experience. I just simply walk with God every day and that is an amazing life experience. Now listen, I'm not saying that people shouldn't jump out of airplanes I think I would be very careful to know that I was a born-again child of God before I did because I sure would not want to put more faith and trust in a napkin on my back than I, than I do in my faith in Jesus. I want my faith in Jesus to be a lot stronger than anything that's going to glide me back down to the earth, whether it's an airplane or a napkin, one way or the other. I want to have more faith in Jesus than I do in the and the equipment for skydiving. It just makes me shake my head. I see people do all kinds of crazy things. People that race in cars and go hundreds of miles an hour around a track. People that jump off of things and, and do things, you know. And, and, and look, it's part of the human experience to try to push ourselves to see how far we can go. But you see, the great thing about God is he is already where we are going to go. And he's already made a bridge through Jesus to enable us to get there. And so maybe the most daredevil thing that you'll ever do, maybe that's a bad choice of words, maybe the most dangerous thing that you'll ever do, I'll put it that way, is to trust in Jesus. You know, I see people that walk across these, you know, these rope bridges. They look like right out of an Indiana Jones movie that couldn't be trusted and that, you know, 10 pounds of weight would be too much on them. And people walk across these suspension bridges and these rope bridges and they put more faith in a rope bridge and a suspension bridge than they do in Jesus. Jesus. 
I wouldn't step foot on a rope bridge until I knew that my life was secure in Jesus and that if this rope bridge didn't catch me, that I know that I would be in heaven once or by the time that I uh, died as a result of falling off this bridge. But it's amazing the faith and trust that people put. I think the, and I share this with college students too when I teach, they walk into the room and they find their seat because, you know, kids in college are just like anybody else and, and people in church too. Once you sit someplace on the first day that you're there, you're stuck. I mean, now that is your seat. Because if you walk in on the second week and somebody is sitting where you sat the week before, you think, somebody took my seat. Well, it's not your seat. It's where you sat last week. Well, if you sit there twice and then three times and everybody else sits where, they're, where they sat two or three weeks in a row, now you have assigned seating. But I tell kids this all the time because it, it's true. I've never seen a college student walk into a college class, go up to a chair, inspect the chair, push down on the chair, pick the chair up, look at the legs, wiggle the legs of the chair, adjust the back of the chair, kind of wiggle it to make sure that it's sturdy, put it back down on the ground before they sit in the chair. That's not what they do. They pull the chair out from behind the table and they sit down in it. Why? Because they place faith in that chair that that chair is going to hold them. Because I guarantee you, if they didn't trust that that chair was going to hold them, they would learn to do some kind of an experiment before they sat down in that chair. We put more faith and trust in cars, in computers, in cell phones, and in chairs, and in every part of society. And yet when you talk to somebody about trusting in Jesus for eternal life, that's what they say, oh no, that's crazy. The crazy thing would be to live your entire life in the, in the presence of the good news of Jesus Christ, the one who created everything, including you, going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, looking Jesus in the eyeball and said, well, I did the best I could. That would be the dangerous, most dangerous thing, craziest thing you could do, more so than skydiving. Because you are telling the person who created you, who paid the penalty for your sin, and told you that all you needed to do is trust in him to be born again, and you could have eternal life, and you thought, you know what, I'm going to trust something or someone else, including me, I'm not going to trust you. Some people trust elections, and they think that a better life is ahead depending on who wins the presidential election. I'm going to tell you, America's going to have problems regardless of who's in the White House. The only thing that ultimately matters is who lives inside of you. And I hope and pray that Jesus does, and I hope and pray that if you have any questions about what it means to become a Christian, that you will email me. My email address is randy at columbiabaptist.com. This entire one-hour show is going to be uploaded tomorrow morning on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. You can find it online at anchor.fm forward slash walk this way, or you can find it by searching Walk This Way 
uh, Randy Johnson at Google, Spotify, iTunes, all of those. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I hope that you've enjoyed the show and find me every Wednesday night right here on 101.9 WAIN. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places you can find this broadcast, you can find messages that I've preached, and I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.